0: We're going to be in two scriptures tonight, two sets of scriptures. The main text is going to be in Psalm 59. The uh, first scripture we're going to be looking at is in 1 Samuel 19, 9 through 20, we'll say. If you recall, and the the title to tonight's uh, sermon or, or teaching is, walking through any storm So if you'll look at those scriptures and get those ready, I'm gonna ask you a few questions here. Have you ever heard the phrase You don't know sikkim You've heard that phrase? May I suggest that you don't know sikkim on how to battle through a storm unless you're ready or prepared for the battle Sikkim defined is you won't know anything about obeying his commands unless you know what his commands are. Sycamore was originally a term used to define a dog that does not know how to obey commands. We had a bunch of silly dogs when I was growing up. They didn't obey very well. They loved a lot, but they didn't obey very well. I got a little dog like that now. I talk to her a lot. I love her a lot. As long as I can give her what she wants, she's pretty mindful. But when she has her own mind to do what she wants to do, anybody else got anybody like that in their life? Do you have a person like that in your life? If you don't pick up your sword regularly, and if you don't meditate on God's words, how can you be ready for that next storm that is lurking? in the distance. You ever seen a storm brewing? Clouds build up, build, the the winds start, and they start pushing. And you know if you stand in that same spot where you're at, you might be in trouble. You might better get to high ground, right? Or you might better get some shelter. What was one of your favorite sandwiches when you were growing up as a kid? Just shout it out if you think you know. There you go. And Duffy didn't know what I was going to say here. But, oh, by the way, my wife can't be here tonight. And this is just a shout out to her. So I hope you're watching, honey, and I hope you get blessed. I hope all you get blessed tonight because you know what? You came here to get your blessings, right? You came here to get filled up, and you did get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but I want you to go home, and I want you to eat one when you get home. And that peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I don't know about you, but it kind of melds together well. Oh, yeah. If you like peanut butter and jelly, you can't ever decide which one to put the most of on. You put a little peanut butter on, you put a little jelly. Well, wait wait a minute. I ain't quite I got enough of that peanut butter on there. I got to at it more. Peanut butter is the protein, right? Protein, protein gives you a little energy. I, I promise I didn't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich tonight, but I wish I had now that I think about it. Every day for the last two months, I've been in a, on a journey. I wanted to go deep with the scriptures. I wanted to meld on scripture like you do that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know how it kind of melds together and you eat it and you bite into it. And you, know which, you don't know which one you're tasting first. But when they go together, it doesn't matter because the other one's coming. If you read your word, if you get the sword ready, and you pray regularly, I've been in the Psalms and the Proverbs, guys. I wanna read you a couple of notes on Psalms and Proverbs of what they've done in my life these last two months. The Psalms and Proverbs are so very different, but yet they complement each other so well. The Psalms are vertical to God. Think about this a minute, guys. The Psalms are vertical to God While the Proverbs are horizontal about people, wisdom, knowing how to, not to say, what to say, knowing when to be quiet, knowing how to listen better. The Psalms are divine counsel from God, whereas the Proverbs are practical advice to people. The Psalms include a collection of Psalms or prayers and hymns While the Proverbs are wise sayings. If you want to know more about God and to feel his presence, then read the Psalms. You remember how David, he wrote about half the Psalms, they think. You know how he starts anxious, he gets anxious, he goes anxious, and somewhere in this Psalm, he's going to be anxious. But before it's all said and done, guess what? It's the Lord who gives him comfort. He usually is blessing God throughout the Psalms. Even if he's rattered, tattered, and getting thrown sticks at, and whatever, we're going to talk about that tonight. Scott Kruppane, I don't know if anybody remembers that guy. He's a Christian artist. He wrote a song a number of years ago called Sometimes He Calms the Storm. You remember that song? In that song, one of my favorite verses in the song reads, Sometimes he holds us close and lets the wind and waves go wild. Sometimes he calms the storm, and other times he calms his child. Now you think how beautiful that is. There is a time where we go through a storm, and we wish that it all would be calm. And sometimes in the midst of that storm is when God can speak to us best. When we're in the midst of a storm, we will pay attention to what God's trying to tell us. If we got everything going our way and everything is peachy and we got our peanut butter jelly in our hand, sometimes we just not too much thinking about what God's got going on. But when we're in the midst of that storm, man, it's awesome. Some storms are worse than others. Would you, would you agree with that? But he is able to keep us safe in the worst of storms. I don't know about you, but Psalm 27 tells us where we can find security. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. How about you? How about you? our scripture tonight, Psalm 59. But before we get to Psalm 59, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 19, and it's verses 9 through 20. I'm going to read that. And if you, as as I read that story, you're going to recall about David being chased by who? Saul. It's a, it's a, and then when we get back to the psalm we're going to read that it is a mictum now i'm not sure i pronounced that exactly right but a mictum and pastor michael said well because you're in the, from the south you kind of sound mictum it's a mictum no it's uh it's actually pronounced um i'll get there in a minute but let's go to let's go to uh first samuel chapter 19 and uh i'll start reading Verse 9, now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. He's ready for battle, isn't he? And David was playing music with his hand. So maybe, now, now, now just grasp this for a minute. David's playing an instrument for Saul, the king. Saul's got his hand on his spear. I don't know if I was you, if I was David, I might get a little nervous. If a a guy's got a spear in his hand, well, I'm playing music for him. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. Not a very good shot with David, was he? So David fled and escaped the night. Saul also sent messengers, this is verse 11, to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, that's David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. That's good advice from your wife. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. Verse 13. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed, but it put a cover of goat's hair on his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David saying, bring him back to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Verse 17, then Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So it made it sound like David threatened her if he told anything about the escape. God's working, right? God's working. He's got it good. And Michael answered Saul. He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? In verse 18, so David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. Now it was told Saul saying, take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. The Spirit of God is good. The Spirit of God is always working. The Spirit of God is an indwelling Spirit in us as believers. If you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, and He is living in you, and you're using the Spirit like the Spirit wants to be used. He will protect you from harm. David is protected. Saul is not going to hurt David. That's the setup. That is the Scripture that, I don't know if it inspired Psalm 59. That's where we're going now. But that's the setup. And you know the story now about Saul. When The more that David came to to be prominent the more Saul didn't like him because he could see and maybe he knew in his own mind that he was going to be replaced. Sometimes we need to know when is when. Sometimes we need to accept and the Lord tried to work with Saul. Lord tried to get him to turn back to him. But Saul was so arrogant, so beside himself, that he would not turn back. Sometimes that hardened heart cannot be fixed. God's the only one that can fix it. When we have a hardened heart, may we run to the Lord quickly so that he can crush that broken heart and reform our heart like he wants it. Turn to Psalm 59, please. So as we get to Psalm 59, we're going to realize that this is a, I want to read you the title of what this kind of psalm is. This happens about six times in the Psalms. It says, the assured judgment of the wicked. And we're going to say, walking through the storm. When wicked people are trying to consume you, It's an uncomfortable feeling unless we get the comfort from the Lord. Psalm 59 says this. It says, The assured judgment of the wicked to the chief musician set to do not destroy a mictum. There it is. A mictum of David when Saul sent men and they watched the house in order to kill him. Evil lurks amongst us. If we're not prepared for that evil, we're going to make silly mistakes. We're going to take our eyes off Jesus and things are not going to go very good. So we need to really be bound to the Lord. We need to be heathered, tethered, excuse me, tethered to the Lord so that we don't stray too far away. So he can grab us and pull us back. Psalm 59. I'm, le- I'm reading from the New Living Translation now. So I'm going to read the scripture again. Verse 1. This is for the... It says, "'Rescue me, my enemies, O God. From my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who come to destroy me. Rescue me from these in- criminals.'" Save me from these murderers. Verse 3. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting, Lord. Though I have not sinned or offended them. Stop just for a second. David did nothing wrong. If you're a child of God, you may have contention and not even know it. There may be people out there that just don't like you just because you say, You're a Christian In fact, I would venture to say when you signed up to be a Christian You may not have really understood the full impact of what you signed up for I want to encourage you to stay Steadfast in the Lord Because that's where you get your strength You can do amazingly more by being a Christian by being in the world and being the influence for the ungodly Who knows you might be the one that brings that person to the Lord? Ooh. That's when that's when that's when it gets exciting. I want to encourage you to fight the good fight. Put on the full armor of God every day, so you're ready for the battle. It's not easy. It's not easy to be rock solid all the time. We have our weaknesses, right? But when you can pull it and do it and praise him and ask him for help and let him lead God and direct you, whoo, what a beautiful picture that is. Back to verse 5. It says, O God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, wake up and punish these hostile nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. Salah. Everybody remember what Sali is? Kind of a pause, kind of an interlude, kind of a reflection of what he's just said in Scripture. You get it? David says, what? Punish these hostile nations. You take care of them, Lord, because when you do, then people will, will listen. But if I did it, I'm just another guy that would do it. But when you do it, you'll do it divinely. They come out at night, verse 6, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. Listen to the filth that comes from their mouths. Ever heard anybody like that? All they have is just vicious, nasty words, and they don't have anything good to say. They're negative. They're, They're just vile people. Been around people like that before? In verse eight, it says, "But Lord, you laugh at them. I, I can just see the Lord kind of looking down and thinking that these people think they're, they think they're going to get anywhere like that. They're, that's kind of how to influence, uh, win friends and no, I don't know, influence people something like that. But Lord, you laugh at them. You scoff at the hostile nations. Verse nine, you are my strength. I wait for you to rescue me." For you, O oh God, are my fortress. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 10, in his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. He will not let me, or he will not, he will let me look down and triumph on all my enemies. Verse 11, don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes when, when he pulls us out of a, uh, of a problem and he fixes it too quick, we forget quickly. We're knuckleheads. We don't... We, we beg for him to help us. He helps us. And we go back to our old ways. That's what David's praying about here. He's saying, don't do that, Lord. He says, don't kill them for my people soon. Forget their, such a Stagger them with your power. Woo. And bring them to their knees. O Lord, our shield. Verse 12. Because of the sinful things they say, because of the evil that is in their lips, let them be captured by their pride, their curses, and their lies. Number 13, or verse 13, destroy them in your anger. Wipe them out completely. Then the whole world will know that God reigns in Israel. There's a good point to say, Selah, interlude again. Constance. contemplate that my enemies come out at night snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge the, for food, but go to sleep unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power each morning. I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. Enemy goes to bed at night angry at the world. But we can, we can wake up in the morning praising the Lord. We can go to bed at night saying, Lord, I don't know what I did today that was good for you. But anything I did, I just want to say thank you. Please help me to have a good night's rest. And when I get up tomorrow, I just want to play, praise you some more. That's a good place to be, guys. Where the enemy eh, might be their time, might not be their time hopefully it's still time for him to break a heart and get through to somebody to change. I used to pray for people to be exterminated if they were really mean people. And then I was convicted that I need to pray for those people just like I need prayer. Because God isn't finished with us until this stops, until the blood quits flowing in our veins. Everybody's... I think about the, the thief on the cross. Everybody else has given up on him, not God. Today, you will be with me in paradise. What a beautiful thing that we should do. So in verse 16, it says, But as for me, I sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love, for you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. Verse 17, "O oh, my strength to you, I sing praises for you, O oh God, are my refuge. the God who shows me unfailing love. I wanted to share with you there's a number of times that the Psalms kind of uh, that peanut butter jelly effect of a verse in Proverbs that I think you'll like. This was my mother's favorite scripture in the whole Bible. And if I didn't learn any other scripture than this scripture, I think she would have been disappointed. Because she she trusted in the Lord with her whole heart. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will make not just one path straight, but all your paths straight. What a blessing that is. Trust so much that you don't have to worry about the next step you're going to take because he's going to lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, not yours. If you want anything good about your life to come out, Praise him for it. Let it just reflect off of you back to him. Make him the pinnacle of your day. And all your fears, your troubles, your, your countenance, you, just the way you look at life will be different. Sorry, I spit so much. But it's your fun. Proverbs one twenty seven says this, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, I just want to ask you a question. What do you do? Who do you go to? In whom do you put your trust? In whom do you depend on? Will it only in those times, are is it only in the times when the seas are calm that you're able to praise the Lord? Only in those times when you're not being talked about. Dr. David Jeremiah, I don't know if anybody knows him or not. I like him. He, he gives uh, 10 reasons why to read a psalm every day. And I just thought these were really good. And then he gives five reasons why to read a proverb every day. I guess Proverbs 30 verses, 30, 31 chapters, uh, 150 in Psalms. So there's more reasons to read Psalms, not really. They go good together. So he says this. He says, connection with believers from ever. era. So you can connect in the Psalms. You can connect with folks thousands of years ago, and it applies to you today. Number two, commemoration of significant events. Number three, permission to plead with God. <laughs> How many times did David do that? How many times did any of the psalmists plead with God? It was over and over again. It's like, wow. Maybe I should plead more. Not for me, but that I do his will. That I that I'm ready to take on whoever, whatever, no matter. You get my point? Just you read scripture, it gives you bulletproofness. It makes you feel bulletproof. I'm not saying you you go out and get you know shot at you. Not a good idea. But the point is is that your spirit is bulletproof. Your soul is bulletproof. They can take your body and they can do whatever they want to do with it. But they can never take what he has given you internally in here. We should praise him just because of that, because he is such a loving father. cares about everything from the moment you get up until the time you go to bed. Lately, guys, my schedule has been, I just want to say it's been busy. From the time I get up till the time I go to bed, I don't know what my name is sometimes. But I know who knows my name. And I know that if I just say, Lord, if I have to speak tonight, I just want to say, how much I love you I want people to see the love of Jesus Christ come out of me so you can be assured you can have that love too sometimes you got to be tired to get rest to be revived see we go through life sometimes we're in a we're in a maze kind of in a fog kind of in a because we we're trying to do it all on our own I want to encourage you. Let him take it. Let him take whatever you got. Trust a brother or sister here tonight to to be able to share your inner heart. Your moanings and your groanings. It's unbelievable to give them to God, but sometimes he asks you to give them to a brother, give them to a sister. Not so they can gossip. Not so they can... So they can cry with you, so they can plead with you. So they can go before the Lord and say, This is too heavy a burden. I I need to take part of this burden. Give me part of the burden too. Sometimes we look at our own issues and we think that we think that that God is, is not listening. Right here, David is he's pleading, he's asking, he's 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 not getting anywhere. He doesn't feel like he is, but then all of a sudden the light comes on. And then by the end of the psalm, he's praising God. In fact, in the last verse, I love that fact that he said, he just said, Oh, my strength. Where do you get your strength from, men and women? Where do you get, brothers and sisters, where do you get your strength from? From the Lord, I hope. Do you sing praises just because he is who he is? Just because he loves you so much, he's not through with you yet? Just because he has a mission for you. Just because he has brought relationships back from the dead that were done. You ever been around a friend and then lose that friendship for a number of years and then all of a sudden out of nowhere that friendship comes back? And you don't know why. You don't really know the reason for it. But all of a sudden you realize it was a divine appointment. I've got a brother here in the front row here who I didn't get to see for a number of years. But you know what? The minute we got back together, it was just as if nothing ever. I don't know about you, but that's beautiful. I I can't say that about a lot of relationships in my life. If I go back 30 years ago, I don't know any of those people anymore because of the way I acted in those days. And and I'm, I'm, I'm regretful for that because I loved a lot of those people. But because of my actions, I broke, I burned bridges. I'm not saying bridges can't be fixed. But they don't get fixed as quick as I want them to be fixed. I want to share the love of Christ with everybody I'm with now. And if I get the opportunity, this is the key, if I get the opportunity to go back to those people that I hurt, I'm going to ask them for forgiveness. And I'm going to just say that I've already been forgiven because the Lord forgave me. But I want to ask you personally to forgive me. And I want to tell you that I still care about you. The Lord is working nonstop with us. Are you listening to him? Are you hearing him change your heart? Are you listening to him to forgive folks that you don't think you can forgive? I'm working on some forgiveness of my own. And that's a constant battle. Because remember that three-letter word three word I said to start with tonight? That sin thing? That sin thing is a constant battle. All those things that we fight every day, if we don't have the right prize fighter to slay them, we're going to give them to the wrong source. He's ready to slay every... He wants you to be able to, to love folks right where they're at. When we start loving folks right where they're at, bitterness, anger, pain, melt. I don't know where I was at on Dr. Jeremiah, but I think uh, number four was confirmation of God's protection and provision when we feel weak. Number five, expression of life's highs and lows. We, we see highs and lows in all the Psalms, don't we? They seem to start with a they crescendo up to a, a point where, I can't take it anymore, Lord, but, Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. And, 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 the, and the blessings of the, of the Psalms just keep going. Integration of body, mind, and soul. A magnificent, a magnification of God in our heart and mind. Number eight, inspiration to creatively worship God. Number nine, information about core precepts of the Bible. And number 10, orientation to God's priorities. That's, uh, that's a pretty good list of things for the, uh, for the Psalms. For the Proverbs, instruction for righteous living. I don't know about you, I need more righteous living. I need it. I need it. And when I get it, oh my gosh, it's like I can't wait to tell somebody else about it. I can't, I can't wait to say, uh, uh, you know what? One of the things I found this week is this is when you ask God to give you a person that you can run into, literally run into, and be offered an opportunity to pray for them, it's the most amazing blessing that you could ever have. Duffy and I, were uh, we had gone on a walk with our wives. We came back to our car. We fixed it to get in the car. There's a lady on the street. She's got a a motorcycle or a four-wheeler in the back of her truck, and she looks confused. And I just said, would you like help? And she said, yes. I said, uh, what's wrong? She goes, I need to strap this in. And it came undone, and I had to pull over. I just said, can I pray for you to get safe travel home? And you could see the, just the weights just fall off of her. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to ask her to pray for her. But God, He is amazing. He just opened up a door and said, You you just helped that lady. And when she left, she was the, the, the peace that passed his understanding was evident in her heart. And I think she went home smiling in her heart. And she thought, wow, that's that's pretty amazing that someone just came out of nowhere and came to my rescue. That's what God does to us all the time. He comes to our rescue when we don't deserve to be rescued. In the the Proverbs, he says this, instruction for righteous living. Number two, perception to discern and apply, apply truth. Transmission of godly principles to future generations. Number four, correctional guidelines for authorities. Communication strategies for building healthy relationships. That's a good one. Number five for Proverbs. Healthy relationships. Reading the Psalms and Proverbs together keeps us oriented to God's priorities and wisdom. I encourage you to do that. It's been a blessing. So back to the scripture. In verse 1 through 4, i got to go fast here because I'm like, I had all this. I read this and it took me 20 minutes to read it when I was at home. It's a little different when you get up here. So in verse 1 through 4, I'm going to give you a little uh, tidbit about verse 1 through 4. I think it's interesting that David said, deliver, defend, save me. Deliver me, defend me, save me. It was as if he was crying out to the Lord, asking not just one thing, two things, but three things really in aspect. Ever been there? Have you ever been there where you felt like you you didn't know what to do, but you knew you needed help? Did you cry out to the Lord or did you try to take it into your own hands? You feel like the enemy is in hot pursuit. The storm is raging. All you can think about is crying out to the Lord, asking him to save you. There is a sense of urgency. When ungodly men are in pursuit of godly men, they don't play fair. And that's in women too. They don't play fair. Relentlessly they wait for their chance. In David's case, they wanted to kill him. You might ask, what did David do to provoke such an attack? The answer is, he didn't do one thing. In fact, they're accusing him of treason and disloyalty, as if God were asleep. David asked the Lord to wake up to help him take care of these vultures. You ever been there? Psalm fifty-nine, five. It was a. Uh, it said, "O Lord, God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, wake up and punish those hostile nations. Show." No mercy to wicked traitors. That's where we're supposed to pause. <laughs> After you ask, Lord, punish him. I'm going to rest while you take care of them because I know you can do it. And what's amazing about this is give him the glory. Don't, don't, if you do something amazing, instead of, I used to be the world's worst. I wanted attention. Anybody else want attention sometimes when they do something right, when they do something for their wife, when they do something... Uh, that your boss would be proud of. You want, you want that little pat on the back. You don't know, of pats on the back last. They're way overrated. But when you please the Lord, that's something that you can have forever. You know, when you get a promise from the Lord, that's a promise. That doesn't mean that it was good last week, this week. No, it's good and forever forever and ever. nine five says this, David looks beyond his immediate foes and calls on God to do a thorough house cleaning of all his foes. Do you think sometimes we have a tendency to jump ahead of God and ask him for help for things uh, that haven't happened yet? In other words, we already worry about things that are coming up down the road when really our big problem is we're not even concerned about what's happening in the here and now. We're worried more about that. Remember that scripture it says in, in Matthew uh, six thirty four it tells us therefore don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. David addresses God as Jehovah. I like this. When the vowels of Adonai were attached to the consonants, remember Y W. H-W, or excuse me, Y-H-W-H. That's short for Yahweh. In the medieval period, the word Jehovah resulted, Elohim, Lord of hosts, Sabaoth, protector, the Lord of God of hosts, the Lord of the armies of Israel, Elohi Israel, the Lord God of Israel. God has so many amazing names that don't even begin to define who he is. But it's, there's such a sweetness, a, a beautifulness about his name and what it stands for. And those four letters to the Jewish people were. Remember in, in Exodus, we just talked about who he is He says, I am who I am. I am is all you need to know. In verse 59, 6 and 7, chapters 59, 6 and 7. Remember, ever ever seen a pack of dogs that are snarling at you? You ever tried to, you ever been attacked by dogs? Uh, it's 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 kind of panicky, <laughs> especially if that dog's got big teeth. Uh, this dog across the street from our house, our neighbor's dog, he welcomed me into the neighborhood by jumping up on my leg and tearing my pants and getting into my leg. And uh, I still have those pants today just to remind me. That dog today loves me. Now, I didn't do much different, but... Sometimes the old dogs do change. Sometimes vicious people change. Sometimes sinners change. Sometimes God has a way of changing folks so he can use folks. Think about the Apostle Paul. He killed Christians. He watched. He He even directed it. The stoning of Stephen, I believe. And yet, God said, I'm going to make this man after my own heart. You think you're done? You think he can't use you? I want to argue with you. First of all, I don't even know some of you in here, but I love you. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, my mama told me if you don't forgive your neighbor their sins, your father in heaven's not going to forgive you. Now, when your mama tells you that, you listen. And it's true because it's scriptural. Think you can't like that person you don't like. I got news for you, he can, and he will work on you until you love that person. He'll redirect your heart, he'll create in your new heart. Verses 11 and 13 it says, This David asked the Lord. To slay the enemy suddenly, lest the people of Israel might quickly forget the severity of sinful behavior. Now, he went from, don't kill them too quickly (laughs) in the earlier verses. Now, down here, he's saying, get rid of them. If they hurt you, but in all things, Lord, make it you that gets the victory, not me. You get the victory, Lord. Back in verse 10, I have to read this. My God, with his loving kindness, shall come to meet me at every corner. There's not a corner that he won't meet you at. Do you believe that? If you do, then you have nothing to fear. What a comfort for storms, Cost souls of every age. What a comfort it is to know Jesus Christ is going to be there. He's already there in advance. The Holy Spirit's with you. You got the army of God. No matter how many enemies you have around you, you're in his hands. He will not let the enemy hurt you. He will not let the enemy attack your soul and take your soul from you. It is yours. It has been imprinted in you, and it has, been, it has been guaranteed that your life is secure in Jesus Christ. No matter how bad it gets, guys, grab somebody. Tell them your story. Let them know how bad you're hurting so we can lift it up in prayer so we can immediately go to work on that problem. A lot of times when you start praying something like that, it's already been taken care of. When you get through with the prayer, then you find out it's already done. It's done. It's done. How many times, I mean, if you, don't, if you don't start sobbing when something like that happens, you're not paying attention. He is, a, he is amazing in how he answers prayer before you even lift it up to him. He just likes the fact that you're praying to him, that you communicate with him. A couple of stories real quick. I got four minutes on. Oh. Uh, sermon time is over. Service time, four minutes. Okay. So this is a story from, uh, from uh, Greg Laurie. Greg Laurie, I get his uh, emails every day. Yesterday he sent this one. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. That's Jeremiah seventeen seven. He says, have you ever felt as though your life doesn't matter? He says that no one cares about you or that no one would miss you if you were gone. You couldn't be more wrong. I told you this earlier, but God loves you. And so many people, more than you realize, love you. He says, your life has meaning and your life has purpose. You have a place and we need you. Excuse me. I want to say this. I want to put it personal. I need you. So I want you to hang on. I don't care what you're going through. I want you to hang on. I'll get a cup of coffee with you someday. I, got a, I owe a couple right now. I can tell you it is, but I'm not going to say a name. I owe a couple right now. It's okay to owe a cup of coffee to talk about God. Because you need to have one in your back pocket when you, when, you, when you need a cup of coffee. But what better way to have a cup of coffee than to have it with another brother or sister? He says, "Sometimes life can seem so unfair, and life can seem so hard. You wonder how am I going to get through this? Maybe you're you're terrified of the future, and you don't think you ever will be happy again. As someone with one of the few advantages of age, let me just say this: No matter how bad the crisis you're facing is right now, you're going to get through it. Ultimately, it will all pass. I'm not speaking from a vacuum." I wasn't raised a Christian, he says, in a Christian home. I didn't have Christian parents who took me into bed at night and read me Bible stories. I lived the opposite of that. My mother was an alcoholic who was married and divorced seven times. I had a very difficult, crazy, and tumultuous childhood. But when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, everything changed. He didn't say that. It changed the course of my life. I guess everything did change. Now I feel like I can take the pain and hardship I've been through and use it to help others. Dr. Robert McNair Wilson, a British cardiologist wrote, hope is the medicine I use more than any other. Hope can cure nearly anything. Could you use some of that medicine today? I wanna ask each of you that same question. Could you use some extra hope today? Hope has a name. You know what his name is? It's Jesus Christ. God can take all the hurt and pain you've experienced in life and use it to touch other people. He can make you into the person that he wants you to be. In closing, the 13th story in closing, right? Who feels as though they need a jump start in their Christian walk? I want to say three things I think will help you draw into the Father. These are three things, very basic things. Let me ask you to make them a priority. Pray, number one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 tells us to rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Jesus Christ for you. Number two, read scripture. Theodore Roosevelt, famous president we had at one point, said reading the Bible is worth more than a college education. Billy Graham said the very practice of reading the Bible will have a purifying effect on, upon your mind and your heart. Let nothing take the place of this daily exercise. 2 Timothy 3.16, we have that somewhere in the church. Let nothing take the place of this daily exercise. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the last one. You ready for it? Serve others. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. Every time you give to the poor, you make a loan to the Lord. Don't worry. You'll be repaid in full and all the good you've done. In the Passion Translation, it says this in Proverbs 22, 9 of the same translation. When you are generous to the poor, you are enriched with blessings in return. I just want to say this. I'm way over. But I want to tell you that all of the pastors, Shane, Pastor John, Pastor Matt, uh, Pastor Riz, and Pastor Bro, the pastor of all pastors, guys. He is a man who never stops on your behalf, lifting you up to our precious Savior. He never stops. Never stops. That's a good song, ain't it, Bo? And I want to just say, in the process, I'm learning, and I want to never stop. I want to never stop praying on your behalf. I want you to know that there are people in this room that mean more than life to me, because they've been there for me when I wasn't too I didn't have it all together. So I want to encourage you. Keep coming back to the well. Keep coming back to the house of God. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. And God is going to bless your socks off. He is going to bless you so much. And if you come up to me, and if I don't remember your name, you just tell me your name, and I guarantee it I'll give you a hug. If it's COVID-related or not, I don't care. I'll get it out of the way, and I'll give you a hug. I'll, I'll look the other way, right? I love you guys. God bless you.